If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, we have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 145 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have a story about knights and stories, about countesses and fountains. As the title would suggest, this is the story of Owain and the Countess of the Fountain. But first, a very big welcome to any new and indeed returning listeners. If this is your first listen, why don't you listen to this story and head right back to the story of Pulch, Prince of David, to see what we've been doing with Welsh mythology since then. And if you enjoy that, why don't you head right back to the very beginning, episode one, nearly three years ago, to see what we've been doing on the journey of Fireside thus far. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. If you have not done so already, please do follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. It's the best place to keep in touch with me. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media. And after the great outage, after the great social media block where... WhatsApp, Facebook and Instagram went down for seven whole hours the other day. It really has, uh, you really see why that is a thing that hasn't happened really before because you see the true ramifications of it because if Facebook and Instagram are gone, they're just gone forever. So this dependence we built on it, not just socially, but businesses, a lot of businesses as well, myself included, I would run a lot of aspects of my business through Instagram and if it goes, it goes. So who knows, perhaps the email is the best way to get in touch with, touch with me after all at thefiresidebar at gmail.com. And if you really do want to support the podcast, you can do so over at headstuffpodcast.com by joining Headstuff Plus, where for a subscription fee of five euro a month or you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to not just podcasts, not just bonus material for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And we'll have a brand new piece of ad a piece of bonus material out when this episode is released, which is a live video from my Fireside Sessions show, which was nearly three years ago now, was it? Two years ago? Nearly two years ago. Yeah, it was 2019. Yeah. So just before the arse totally fell out of the world and the show I did at part of the Dublin Podcast Festival, 
I'll upload uh, the video I recorded of that, which is something I've been sitting on for the past two years. And for any of you who weren't at it, who didn't get to come along to it, you can check out what was my first and very nerve-wracking live show with Fireside. And it was great to do it in the at then brand new podcast studios. And I can't wait to do another one now that live entertainment is finally opening up in Ireland. It'll be from... The week after this episode is released, October 22nd is when live entertainment starts up again. And I can't wait to get back to it. I've been very fortunate, to be fair. I've already been performing, but it's really nice that the country can kind of go back and that all of the other various various avenues can, can finally get going again. And I want to get working more. But... The story for this week is, uh, that is just no hard sell on, on Headstuff Plus, as always. That is there for you, if you so want to support. And I'll have a very big announcement, of which I've been looking forward to announcing for oh, at least about six or seven months. And I'll be able to in the next couple of weeks now, probably at the start of November. So in an episode or two, once we've had our Halloween special, our Fireside of Horror number three, I will have a big reveal for all of you not just for the listeners of Headstuff Plus but I'm sure they might find out a little bit sooner but the story for this week is another tale from Welsh mythology this was a really beefy tale this was long but I managed to condense it down to one story as I've said before I like it when I can fit the story in one episode I don't really like splitting them across a couple of episodes unless they can be, unless the individual parts can be self-contained so that you could listen to them in any order. But this this story had a lot of elements I liked, but it was uh, one that was easier to condense. Um, I had to leave out and amalgamate and, and compress a couple of different elements, but overall I'm very happy with it, and I think this really feels like my version of this story, which is another thing I really like to feel at the end of adapting these episodes. We'll chat a bit more afterwards, but this is the story of the Countess of the Fountain on Fireside. The Countess of the Fountain Arthur was at his court as a feast was being prepared. The king said to his assembled knights, Lords, If you promise you will not make fun of me, I would like to have a nap before the feast. You can entertain each other with stories, and Kai here will bring you mead and chops to tide you over. And with that, like an infant in a crown, Arthur fell asleep where he sat. Kai, the surly, meddlesome knight, said, Well, who's going to tell the first story? You have to hold up your end of the bargain first, said a knight named Kinnon. Go to the larder and fetch us mead and chops. Grumbling to himself, Kai went and prepared skewers and chops and fresh honeyed wine. Once their whistles had been wet and the wolf kept from the door, the knight settled in for a good tale. You tell one, Kinnon, said Owain. Owain, you are older than me, and a better storyteller. It should be you who goes first. No, no, you start one off, Kinnon. Tell us about the worst situation you have ever found yourself in. Kinnon happened to have just the story. 
Well, I was my mother and father's only child, and I grew up thinking there was nothing I could not do, and no foe I could not overcome. When I grew, I left my family in search of one powerful enough to defeat me. One night, I came to a castle, with twenty-four maidens as lovely as Guinevere herself. And the lord of the castle was a yellow-haired man who told me that if I wanted to meet a mighty foe, I should go to the forest and ask a giant who lived there. The next morning I went, and this giant was the size of two men at least. He had one leg and one eye, and he carried a club with one arm that it would take the strength of two regular-sized men to get off the ground. To demonstrate his power, the giant bashed a deer on the head with his club, and soon hundreds of forest animals surrounded him and did as he commanded. This forest giant told me where to go. He said to climb a mountain until I found a tree with leaves greener than the most perfect evergreen fear. Beneath the tree would be a fountain, and beside the fountain was a slab, and on the slab was a silver bowl. Following the giant's instruction, I found the fountain and took the silver bowl and threw a bowl full of water onto the slab. Then it began to rain hailstones so hard it would strip flesh and bone. I protected my horse and myself with my shield, and just when I thought that the metal would fail, the hail stopped, and I heard the most perfect bird song. It was then I finally met my foe. A knight appeared on a black horse with black armour and a black satin cloak. I mounted my own steed, and with our lances we charged at each other. But I was still weak from the hail of the fountain, and the black knight knocked me from my horse and onto the ground. My enemy did not deem me worthy to kill or even imprison, but rather just stole my horse and rode off. Defeated, I made my journey home. I'm surprised I did not die from embarrassment due to the abuse I received from the giant on my way back. The lord of the castle was kinder to me, but he did not even ask about the fountain and I did not tell him. And that Kai, Owain and everyone is my most embarrassing story. And I've never told that to anyone before. And in the years since, I've never heard of anyone who has faced or even heard of the Knight of the Fountain. That is quite a tale, said Kai, satisfied. Indeed, said Owain. I would very much like to go and face this knight myself. You have a big mouth, said Kai. You are always saying things you will do and then you don't do them. That was enough to goad Owain. But at that moment, Arthur woke up. Lord, have I been asleep long? They told him he had, and that it was time at last to eat. While the other knights feasted, Owain slipped out unnoticed and prepared his horse and armour. The next morning, Owain came to the castle of the yellow-haired lord. He found the twenty-four maidens to be far more beautiful than Kinnon had described. The lord was hesitant to tell Owain where the giant dwelled, but eventually Owain got his answer. 
the giant was bigger and uglier than Owain had imagined, and Kinnon did not describe the awful smell of sweat and forest. But the giant was grumpy, but not unkind. He told Owain where to find the fountain. Then I took the bowl and splashed the slab and endured the hail which no amount of detail could have prepared him for the harshness of. When the hail ceased and Owain heard the bird song, he knew it was time for battle. He mounted his horse and turned in time to see the black knight in the black satin cape. The two knights charged at each other until both their lances were splintered and shattered. Then the men drew their swords, and it was Owain who struck the black knight through his helmet and into the flesh and bone and brain. The black knight knew this was a fatal blow, and he fled from battle. They came to a castle. The gate was closing just as the black knight rode past the threshold, and the gate closed just as Owain was halfway through, cutting his horse in half and leaving the back end outside the gate and Owain and the front half of his horse on the inside. Another gate was in front of Owain still, leaving Arthur's knight imprisoned between two gates with half a mutilated dead horse. A young woman came to see the man who had defeated her lord. She said, Lord, you look to be a good man. I think you would be the best friend a woman could have. My name is Clunet, and I will help you. Take this ring and wear it. It will make you invisible to all. Then, when the guards come to execute you, slip through the gate. I will not be able to see you, but if you put your hand on my shoulder... I will know that you are there, and I will guide you to safety. Owain could not believe his luck. He did not know if he could trust the girl, but he didn't really have much choice. The ring did indeed make him invisible, and when the guards came and found only half a dead horse, they were confused and infuriated, and Owain slipped out unnoticed. He found Clunad and put his hand on her shoulder, and the maiden guided Owain to a lavish and warm chamber. The next morning, Owain awoke to the sound of crying and sorrow. What is that? he asked Clunet. That is the funeral for the lord of this castle who you killed yesterday. Owain looked from his window and saw the chief mourner. Even in grief and sorrow, she was the most beautiful woman Owain had ever seen. And who is that woman? That is my lady, the husband of the lord of this land. She is known as the Countess of the Fountain. I am almost ashamed to admit, but I love that lady more than anyone in this world. I would imagine there are few men she loves less than you, Lord, said Clunad. But leave that to me. I will go courting for you. Clunad shaved Owain and cut his hair and dressed him in fresh brocaded silk with shoes of finest cordovan leather until he was almost unrecognizable. Almost. Then Clunid left him and went to see the Countess of the Fountain. Lady, said Clunid, why is it that you are still crying? How can you ask that, Clunid, when my husband is not even buried? But your husband is dead, lady, 
and if you do not find another, the castle will be taken from you by force. I could never find another like him. And were you not my handmaiden, I would have you executed for saying such a thing. And I will banish you nonetheless. Fine, banish me. But when you are left with nothing and your castle is in ruins, do not say I wasn't the one friend who told you the truth. As Clunet stormed off, the Countess coughed. Clunet stopped. Her plan had worked. What shall I do? asked the Countess. Clunet told the Countess the only man who could defend the castle would be a knight of King Arthur. The Countess gave Clunet permission to ride for Camelot, but instead Clunet just returned to the chamber with Owain. When a sufficient journey's time had passed, Clunet presented Owain to the Countess of the Fountain. This man does not look like he has been on a journey, said the Countess. What does that matter? asked Clunet. It matters, because this is the man who killed my husband. Undeterred, Clunet said, And what of that? If anything, it proves he is the better and stronger fighter than your dead husband was. The fountain and the kingdom are in good hands. The countess told both Owain and Clunet to leave. She needed to seek counsel. The lady gathered her advisers and told them of their predicament. The castle needed a lord to defend it, and either one of her advisers had to marry her, or the countess would marry Owain. None of the advisers were brave or skilled enough to take on the responsibility, and the next day Owain was married to the countess of the fountain. Arthur's knight knew he had big shoes to fill, and his own reputation to build. So every time a knight came to the fountain, Owain would knock him from his horse and ransom the knight back to his own people. Then Owain would take that money and divide it among all his own people. For this, Owain was beloved, and he stayed with the countess for three years. But after three years, Owain faced a knight who was perfectly his match. Neither could defeat the other. Eventually, the two removed their helmets, and Owain realized his foe was his friend Gwalchmai, another of Arthur's knights. The king had missed Owain these three years, and had come with his entire retinue to avenge him if he had been killed, or free him if he had been imprisoned. Owain felt ashamed for having abandoned his king. He said he would return to Camelot for three months. He would return for three years. When Owain finally realized how long he had been away from the Countess of the Fountain, leaving her and her castle unguarded, he asked Arthur for permission to bring her back to court. The king was happy to do so. Owain left and journeyed until he was weak and weary. He came to a rocky terrain where he could hear increasingly pained roars. Owain looked over a ridge and saw a white lion. The lion's path was being blocked by a snake in a hole. Every time the lion attempted to move, the snake snapped. Owain slid down, took his sword, and when the snake next reared its head, Owain split the serpent in two. Owain continued on his way. But the lion followed him, loyal as a dog he had raised from birth. Then Owain could hear a scream, then a second, and a third. It was a woman's scream. 
The knight ran to find Clunad, his dear friend, imprisoned in a stone chamber, and two young lads attempting to throw her into a fire. Stop, cried Owain. What is the meaning of this? Clunad, not recognizing Owain in his armor, said, I am being murdered for insulting these two men. I'll cut a long story short. A knight came to Our Lady's court six years ago. He stayed for a time and then he left. With no lord to defend it, our kingdom was then usurped by a wicked earl. These men are servants of that earl, and they called my lord Owain a cheat and a coward. I said that neither of them was half the man this knight was. For that, they are going to burn me alive. If that knight knew of the wrong being done to me, he would fight for me. Owain said to these two men, Will you fight me instead of burning her? The men agreed, under the condition that the lion in tow with Owain would be locked in the stone chamber. Owain agreed. Two against one, Owain struggled to defend himself from the two younger men. Usually there would be no issue at all, but Owain had been weakened by his travels. Nearing death, the lion could tell his new master was in trouble. He broke free from the stone chamber and with one blow of his paw crushed the skull of one man before mauling the other. Owain then revealed himself to his friend Clunad and took her back to the castle of the Countess of the Fountain. He overthrew the earl who had seized the castle, reunited with his wife and the Countess. The Countess and Owain returned to Arthur's court where they remained happily married for the rest of their lives to be continued. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Spice Bags is a podcast about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, I'm May. I'm an American food writer, and I'm with my friends Blanca, a chef from Spain, and Dee, an Irish food editrix. And we are the Spice Bags, three sassy ladies with a lot to dish up. Join us for the chats. And that is the tale of the Countess of the Fountain on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. I really like this story for one particular reason is that it explores a platonic friendship between a man and a woman. How about that? That's not very common in folklore and mythology. Uh, like, there are unrequited relationships a lot. We've seen a lot of that in Welsh mythology, particularly with the stories of Peredir, where Peredir goes around to all of these different kingdoms and forts and all of these women say he can marry them and these men offer their daughters and their kingdoms and Peredir has to say, no, I didn't come here to earn a wife or to earn a kingdom. I came for chivalry and honour and there's a lot of rebuked advances. But here uh, with Clunad, this girl who 
Owain meets when he arrives at this castle of the fountain. She just says that he would be a great friend, and perhaps there is more implied there, but in the two versions that I adapt these stories from, the Oxford World Classics and the Matt Addis audiobook from Maxis Audio, they both just describe her as a, as a great friend to Owen, and she never has any sadness or resentment or l- laments helping him in any way, just entirely on platonic terms. And I really, really like that. That's very, very refreshing. I particularly like that because uh, one of the harsher elements or of the story is certainly that Owain kills this man or mortally wounds this man who then subsequently dies. He goes to this castle and Clunid smuggles him out of captivity using a ring of invisibility. Interesting, because I know that... uh, Not that this can be the story to have invented a ring of invisibility, but J.R.R. Tolkien was immensely influenced by Welsh mythology, among other mythologies, when he was constructing Lord of the Rings. So we had to get this idea for this, the one ring from somewhere. So Clunet helps Owen Owen escape, and once she does, he sees the Countess of the Fountain and falls immediately in love with her and wants to be with her, even though he has just murdered, literally murdered her husband. And Clunet just says, well, I don't imagine that there's anyone she would probably want to marry less than you. But you leave that with me. I'll go courting on your behalf and I'll put your best foot forward as I'm one of her handmaidens. And that's exactly what she does. In probably my favourite scene in this story is when the Clunids and Countess have this argument that is bizarrely contemporary and, and rings very true, I think, of a lot of friendships and relationships where you say something to your friend that they don't want to hear and they immediately react in a poor way. So you both storm off from each other and eventually one comes crawling back. So Clunad makes this very caustic, harsh, but ultimately convincing argument that the castle will need a defender and with the husband dead, she might as well get straight back on the horse. And what better person to marry than the person who killed her husband because he's guaranteed to be stronger logical if not absolutely brutally merciless and the countess understandably gets angry like the husband isn't even in the ground at this point but immediately she comes around to it and after that part there's a lot more of the story there's a whole scene like i particularly the latter half of this story i've condensed immensely and they've cut out a lot of bits the only bit i really wish not wish I hadn't, but nearly didn't put in, but it was just going to take too long, was this, this like some of my favourite stories on Fireside, is a story about storytelling. We open with a story of Kinnon describing this this uh, Countess of the Fountain, this Knight of the Fountain, and Owain then goes, and we have the exact same events described, but Owain says it's his own version of them. You know, like when you hear a story and then you go and see a thing in person, it's never quite what you were told because you can't actually visualize it in your head. You know, when we say, oh, that's not how I thought that it would look. Like, you only know that once you have actually seen something. You you can't actually have something that conscious in your mind. And I really like that as an element because that, again, really rings true to how storytelling still works to this day. 
And there is a third part to that where when after Owain marries the Countess of the Fountain, it goes back to Arthur's court where Owain has just disappeared and no one knows where he has gone. And Arthur sends... Arthur and all of the other knights go on this quest to find him and they go to the same route. They go to the yellow-haired man. They go to the giant in the forest. They go to fight find the fountain and then loads of them fight off against... Um, Owain in disguise or in the armour not realising that it's him until Gwalkmai at last is the one who kind of matches him and that is when they reveal and embrace so I just put in the I try to keep it focused on Owain and also then when Owain goes back to the court of King Arthur and is there for three, three years he goes back and this earl has taken over his kingdom and he ends up wandering around. He's too ashamed to go back to Arthur's court, but he's too ashamed to go back to the Countess of the Fountain. So he wanders around and he becomes really thin and gaunt and unrecognisable and hairy and dirty. And the Countess has had to flee her own court. And I just wanted to get straight to the lion. I loved the lion and I loved it coming back to Clunad. I loved that after everything that she did for him in the early parts of the story, that he then rescues her from being burnt alive when she's being burnt alive for defending his honour in the first place. And I just love that there's this lion in Wales, in Britain, in the, whenever these are said, the early parts of the of the 5th, 6th century, about when these would have been set. Um because we know that there are skeletons of Irish wolfhounds found in the Colosseum in Rome, so I suppose it's not totally mad to think of the idea of lions being brought the other way, but it's the first time I've encountered a lion in certainly one of these stories. But naturally, I think characters or historical figures like Richard Lionheart, and there's a lot of connections between lions and royalties, the kings of the jungle, and all of that kind of crack. So it's not totally surprising that there would be a, a lion character in a myth like this that almost has its own little mini folk tale of the lion being cornered by the snake who Owain then defeats and gains this lion as a pet who ends up mauling these two lads who would be the death of Clunad. So that's, I wanted to focus this story on the storytelling aspect on the relationship between Owain and Clunad rather than the relationship with the Owain and the Countess of the Fountain who isn't as fleshed out a character and just isn't as interesting to me as the platonic relationship between Owain and Clunad and then to f- round it back to them with a little bit of dash of the lion in there. And that is the story of the Countess of the Fountain and I will wrap things up there. But I hope you enjoyed today's story. Uh, I am back in recording in the Headstuff Podcast Network studios. I didn't say before, but I'm sure you. I hope you've noticed in the difference of quality. Actually, I hope you don't don't notice the difference in quality that much because I and I hate to think that when I record from home or abroad that the that the quality is any less because I have invested very much, but it's just a very different environment for me to come into the temple to record here, and it's a lovely, comfortable space. The soundproofed three comfy chairs and everything and it's just a really nice place to come back and I'm still living in Wicklow so it's nice to start coming back up and down to Dublin again um, but please do follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com the support over at Headstuff Plus the link is in the description below I'll see you all you'll hear me all next time where we have a story about it'll be the first of two stories about Geraint the Knight Geraint and the Knight of the Sparrowhawk. 
I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. Remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. Plus.